Welcome to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Located in El Dorado Hills, California, it is our mission to help others find and follow Jesus. We hope this message inspires, encourages, and uplifts you today. Woo! Come on, how we doing, friends? Man, so excited to be here with you guys today, excited to be celebrating the 25-year anniversary of Hills Church, formerly Rolling Hills Church, and not just celebrating the incredible legacy of this church and all that God has done in and through this church for the past 25 years, but also looking to the future and looking to the future of what God wants to continue to do in and through us as we continue to be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Amen? You guys fired up for today? Let's go, man. As I was praying about today, as I was thinking about today, there was a verse that I felt like the Lord put on my heart even this morning. I want to share it with you guys out of Isaiah chapter 43, starting in verse 15. It says this, says, I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, behold, he says, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth, do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And I I do believe this. I've said it many times over the past several weeks. I really believe that over the past year and a half, God set the reset button for the church in America. God hit the reset button for the church in America, and he reminded us, hey, the church was never just supposed to be a place that you went to. It's a people that you are, and a people that you're becoming together, shaped and formed into the image of Christ, living with joy and peace, and living as a city on a hill, a light on a hill that cannot be hidden. And I thought about this because I believe Jesus is bringing us into a new season as a church. I believe he's bringing us into a new season. He's saying, look, where things have been hard, where where it feels like desert and wilderness, even right there, I'm going to cause springs to rise up and rivers in the wilderness. I'm going to provide for you even in the midst of the hardest days of your life. Now, how many of you would say, yeah, maybe at some point over the past year and a half, you had like one of the hardest days of your life? Come on, it's okay. It's church. Don't lie. (laughs) We've all been there, man. It's been crazy, right? And yet just in this place, in this season, now more than ever is time for us to step into being the church and to watch God move in our own lives and in our church corporately. And man, we've learned, we've learned so much over the past year and a half, two years. We've learned that more than ever, more than ever, Jesus needs to be our lead story. More than ever, we need to lift up the name of Christ because Jesus is true north. And unless our lives are centered around him, unless our lives are orbiting around the son of Jesus Christ, then things are going to be a mess. And trust me, things are messy and hard enough as it is. You need Christ to be the center of your life. Things are hard enough as it is in our world, in our family, in our marriages, in our personal lives. And friends, I am telling you, Christ, your creator, 
Jesus, the one who formed you and knit you together in your mother's womb, knows what's best for you, and he's inviting us all to follow him. We know, we know now more than ever, Christ needs to be our lead story because he's what our world needs. And then we know more than ever that the church, and this is something that we really learned in a hands-on way in 2020, but the church has to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We have to be those who unleash compassion in the name of Christ. We have to be the ones that tell the world, God is for you. God is for you. And, and friends, I'm afraid for years the church has kind of missed this. The main messaging of the church has been God is angry at you. He's not for you. He's against you. Shape up. Get your act together. And, and this is crazy because when you look at Romans 8, I mean, just think about the story of the gospel. And in Romans 8, it says this. Paul, summing up his entire argument, in Romans 8, 31 to 35, he goes, what then shall we say in response to all these things? That means Romans 1 through 7, the first seven chapters. He says this, God, if God is for us, Paul just built a massive case in the first chapters of Romans, the first seven chapters of Romans saying, God is for you. Jesus himself said, I didn't come into the world to judge the world, but to save it, to remind the world that I'm, I'm after them, I'm pursuing them, I haven't given up on them. And so Paul says, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who can bring any charge against God's elect, against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Friends, we as a church are called to bring that message to the world. And so a couple weeks ago, we did something called Love the 50. Actually, in the middle of 2020, we had this idea saying, man, there's need everywhere, all around us. There are those who are in need of care all around us. Let's just be the church. We're, we're shut down. We can't even gather in this building anyways. Let's get out and just unleash practical acts of compassion up and down the 50 corridor. So we kicked it off last year on a whim, and we ended up having 275 volunteers in 2020 with 23 total projects across five different cities on the 50 corridor. And this year we said, man, we're doing it again. That was just the beginning. It's not just a cool slogan or love the 50 week or for the 50 or that's nice, but this is who we are. And this is how you gain the ear of a watching world. So this year we went a little bigger, 650 people serving, more than double at 56 projects along nine different cities impacting over 15,000 lives on the 50 corridor. Friends, this is who we're called to be as a church. This is what it looks like for you and I to be the church. This is what we've learned over the past year and a half. And it's not just community service projects. It's how you live your life in your marriage, with your kids and your family at your workplace. It's how you live this thing out the other six days of the week, not just on Sunday. And friends, it's really important. It's important that you understand what today is about. 
It's important that you understand what today is about for you. It's not just a 25-year anniversary celebration. That's awesome. That's fun. It's not just Ferris wheels and a party afterwards. That's fun. That's awesome. God commanded his people to celebrate, to eat together, to remember. That's awesome. But today is about you understanding that God actually has a vision for your life. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. And it's connected to a story that he's been writing from the very beginning. It's a story of rescue and redemption and healing that he wants for your life. It's a story of restoration, of purpose, of of identity. It's answering the question of why are you here? Why do you exist at all? What's the point? And how is that connected to the local church, to Hills Church? How is that connected to this body of believers? How is this all connected? What is my purpose? And what the Lord wants to remind us today is that when you said yes to Christ, you weren't just signing up for being saved by grace. That's, that's a gift. It's a beautiful gift. You're signing up to follow Jesus in a way of life to live out your faith day in and day out, to help build the church, to be the church. And, you know, our Father is so gracious with us. Our Heavenly Father is so gracious with us. And it reminded me of even my journey with my kids, my journey particularly with my son. I'll never forget my son. This was even before he could walk. I remember the first time he saw the ocean. Such a cool moment, right? He was at that age, he couldn't quite walk yet, but he was, you know, starting to say words. And it's so hilarious because at that age, they're just making up words for everything. So his word for chocolate was Baku, which I believe is an awesome word for chocolate. Baku brownies, Baku milk, Baku ice cream. Just, he figured out real quick, I love Baku. We all do. And it was amazing because I'm walking with him out towards the ocean for the first time. His eyes get big. And the words out of his mouth, they were just perfect. He goes, the big Madu. (laughs) Big Madu. I was like, that is the big Madu, Sawyer. It's exactly what that is. The big Madu. He had no idea. It was a little intimidating. I'm holding his hands. He's walking towards it. I'll show you a picture to give you context for how old he was. I mean, come on, look at that kid. Oh, I miss those days sometimes. He's eight now. He's playing football, tackling people, all the stuff. But it was incredible because I remember we got close and I, I put him down towards the water and he was like, no, dad, no. Scary. The waves are crashing. And we're, you know, we're on the East Coast at this point. So it's not even West Coast waves. These are little waves, but they were waves and he was little. And I walked out into the ocean with him in my arms and he was holding on real tight, like, don't let me go. And I remember the first wave came and it hit my leg and he started laughing a little bit. And then I I took him by his arms. You remember how you do this with your kids and you dip their feet in the water, the waves coming and you pick them up over the wave at the last second. And he's like, this is the greatest game of all time. Dad takes all the waves. I just get to fly over top of the waves. And, And it was so fun because as he got older, as he learned to run and swim and walk, he began to love the ocean. And, and I had to kind of hold him back, like, all right, let me, sorry, not too far, not too deep. Sorry, oh, hold on, buddy. You know, he gets smashed by a wave. I run over there and I catch him. But he began to always believe and trust, hey, my dad's with me. 
and his arms are strong and his heart is good. He's got me so I can just go after it with these waves and have a ton of fun in here. And he was right. I was right there by his side the whole time. His arms are strong and his heart is good. And you think back on growing up as a childhood, you probably had an uncle when you went to the beach at some point. His arms were strong, but his heart was not good. He picked you up as a little kid and just launched you into the waves and was like, good luck, buddy. You're like freaking out, crying, screaming, and you make it back barely alive. And everyone's like, your uncle's like, what? You made, he made it, didn't he? You're like, your arms are strong. Your heart is not good. But with your father, you know, it's different, man. His arms are strong and his heart is good. And eventually, even now, you know, I'm, I, we go to the beach or we're at the pool and, you know, my son's at the age now where he's like, man, I just want to wrestle. I'm going to dunk you, dad. I'm coming for you, dad. We've got to a new stage. He's not afraid of the water. He's like, I'm taking you down. What he doesn't know is that no matter how big or strong he gets, all the dads know this, the supernatural power of dad strength means I will always dominate him. We just know that that's how it's going to go. But I know there's a day coming in the life of my son when he's not going to want me at the beach with him. He's not going to even want me at the pool with him. He's not going to want me within 100 yards of him. We're not there yet. But I know that day is coming. And, and I think along the way, if I had to say to my son, man, there's just one thing in this journey that I want you to know, son. Man, I want you to trust me. I don't want to force you into the ocean. I'm not going to make you face waves that you don't want to face. I just want you to trust me and believe that, man, my arms are strong and my heart is good and I'm for you, son. And I think the journey of faith is a lot like that. I think God has called you by his grace. And if you're in this room today, God is calling you today. He's saying, look, maybe you've never taken a step of faith. Maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've never experienced the goodness and the strength of your heavenly Father, but he's inviting you into a journey today where you live out this reality of Colossians 3.17. Colossians 3.17 says this, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So whether you're working a career, building a business, serving as a first responder in this community, working as a teacher, being a stay-at-home mom or dad, being a full-time student, no matter what you're doing, being an athlete, whatever you're pursuing, he's inviting you into a journey of faith where you do it for the glory of God. You do all things for the name of Christ and you surrender and submit fully to the way and the person of Jesus so that you go on this journey of healing. And that those around you receive the blessing of what God is doing in your life. And, and sure, at first in this journey of faith, whether you're 80 years old or two years old, he takes you by the hands and he lifts you over all the waves and he's with you. He's always with you. Even when you don't want him to be, he's there. But he's inviting you into a bigger story. He's saying, your life will never be what it's meant to be ultimately until you align yourself with the story that I'm writing for you. It'll never be what I've called, you will never fully be what I've called you to be as a dad, as a spouse, as an employee, as a boss, no matter what it is, until you align yourself with the story that I've been writing from the very beginning. God is inviting you into a better story. 
And there's always some story at the center of our lives, something that we are living for, something we find our purpose, our meaning in, something that we look to for significance, whether it's finances, whether it's raising the perfect kids, whether it's getting that degree, whether it's some accomplishment in life, there's some story that's motivating us. But what God is inviting us into Hills Church is to be a people that align our lives with the story that God is writing. And that's a story that says, man, I'm here to bring redemption. I'm here to bring healing and hope. I'm here to use you to be the church and be agents of healing and hope wherever you are. Yeah, but God, I'm a mess. (laughs) Have you seen me recently? Have you seen my life? Have you seen what I got in my closet that I don't want anyone else to see? He's like, yeah, I've seen it. And I'm coming for you. And I choose you. Because you're the church. You're the ones that I want to use to continue writing the story that I've been writing from the beginning. In and through this church. And so I thought today the most fitting thing that we could do for our 25 year anniversary is to share a couple stories. Stories of Christ stepping into people's lives and turning their lives around, giving them hope and meaning and purpose to understand that, man, Jesus is alive and he's still moving today. Jesus is alive and he's still transforming hearts and lives today. And so we're going to share two stories. And friends, I just want you to and buckle up and lean in. These are powerful stories. And more than anything, they capture the heart of who we are as a church. If you're here for the first time and you're like, man, what's this church about? What are they about? This captures it better than I could ever say it. So let's watch these together. spiritual or religious household and we attended church a few times but never never found a a home or a community I guess that we felt ultimately comfortable with and then in the early 1990s I was introduced to uh, the Lord through a business mentor and attended a a um, men's fellowship and Bible study for a couple years and, and a men's retreat and then just got away from it life got in the way and we had kids and as a family, we just, you know, we didn't attend church after that. We celebrated Christmas, but it was, it gotten away from us. We call it, what, the CEOs, um, Christmas, Christmas, Easter, and occasionally. That was kind of our connection. Um, in my senior year of college, I had um, all those questions, who you are, who to be, who to be with, who to be around. There's just so many feelings without the faith jealousy or not feeling good enough or just anxiety all of those feelings have been such a roller coaster growing up last year particularly with media social media and news everywhere you turn that there was just negativity and and how am I going to get out of this this just anxiety and and there's times and I know there's been a lot of people this past year 
um, with their businesses and stuff like that. You wake up in the middle of the night with cold sweats and you're nervous and you have this anxiety. But the whole time, the whole time, the Lord had been tugging on my ear like a parent on a kid who says, look, you need to re-engage. You, you need to get back in the game. You know, we, we attended uh, Easter as a child and, and, and I just thought it, uh, it'd be a good time to watch a, a service online. And I called Brianna, she was at, at UNR and said, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna watch uh, Sunday service on online Zoom and here's the link and, and uh, so we did. And uh, it all culminated uh, with that Easter. Literally, the, the, the sermon that Jonathan did um, was absolutely amazing. It was like he was speaking to me through Jonathan. And um, it was that. It was just an eye-awakening eye um, moment. I just felt it in my heart. I felt that it's like, OK, let's, let's wake up. It's, it's time to, to focus on what, what matters. So that, that started our journey, and, and it's been an, an incredible ride ever since. Kind of after our, my experience with Easter, uh, we started watching church um, every Sunday um, until they went in, in person, and we all went as a, as a family. And then um, I heard about Flourish, which is a women's mentorship ministry, and, and took that leap of faith um, Joy, she's a mother with two sons that are almost my age, um, and yet she, she's helped me refine sorry, um, who I am as a person just by being in the Word and all the questions you have when you're in those 20, 20 year old age group. In a way, I was hoping Joy would answer them, but she worked it through the word and that mentorship, that that loving, just meeting me where I was and, and it's been a phenomenal ride. And we finished our Flourish uh, ending celebration, I don't know, two months ago and Joy and I still meet every week and I couldn't be more thankful for it. Two weeks after that Easter, there was a, a men's Friday, just a gathering, I think a uh, they were having tacos and, and uh, salsa, hot salsa contest or whatever, and there was a bunch of men there. These, these men welcomed me, um, asked me if I wanted to be part of their men's group on Friday mornings, and talked about being blessed. Um, we read some scripture in the Old Testament, we read some scripture in the New Testament, and we do uh, an observation and an application, and then we, we have prayer on how that affects us on a daily basis. And so the men's group is, it's been an awesome, awesome group. Yeah, I think we've, we've both been fortunate enough to find community in the church. Um, just having a guide, having the Bible, having a community the way that Flourish provided and my family and the church has just been, I couldn't have dreamed a better, better situation where I'm at right now, so. It was the perfect timing, perfect everything for, for the baptism. Baptism was an opportunity to show my family, my wife, my, my daughters, um, renewed commitment, commitment to the Lord, commitment to God, commitment to me. Yeah, it was just, it was time. I needed to take that step of not just going to church, not just singing the songs, not just check marks saying I went, but being in a relationship with Jesus and 
it just gives me a whole new sense of purpose of just everything I do now, I want to run myself. What would Jesus do? We, and, and, and I think what I'm also proud of is it, it, Jesus is our house. Um, it's the center of, of what we have in our house. And that's amazing. Growing up, um, my family was religious. We came from a Catholic background. We did attend church every Sunday and or every occasional Sunday. You know, I kind of went through the motions and Jesus wasn't a huge part of my life. There was definitely something missing, but I was too young to really know. However, with the separation of my parents, um, that slowly fizzled out and church was no longer a part of our lives. So the separation from church and just within my family tore me apart, um, really into a million pieces. My self-worth really wasn't there. I felt very alone um, and like I didn't have anyone to talk to. I grew up pretty lonely as a child and leading from my childhood season to, you know, adulthood was a very hard transition too. With, without Jesus in my life, I felt lost and there was a lot of partying and drinking. I wasn't very happy with the decisions I was making, but I also didn't have a path that made sense. So I continued on the path of least resistance, but I continually just thought, um, you know, where is my life going? What, what is my purpose in life? Because I didn't have one at the time. I decided that I would continue with graduating college. I, I kind of put it on the back burner. I ended up meeting the love of my life, who is now my husband, um, through mutual best friends. And I really think that God brought him into my life absolutely for a reason. I kind of grew up in an environment with abusive men. So to have one that was loving and caring and accepting was something I had not experienced. He did propose and we had our wedding, it was beautiful, it was done by the pastor, it was one of, another one of the best days of my life. And, um, you know, we go on our honeymoon, we're having the best time. We come home and we just get back into the routine of things. A month later, we realize that we are pregnant with our first daughter. So, as joyous of a moment as that was, we, we weren't expecting that to be uh, so soon. And with having just the hectic schedules, we slowly again put Jesus in the back seat um, in our lives. When my best friend Sarah asked me to go to Bible study, I instantly felt, I felt like God needed, was pulling me back into, you know, being with Him. And I showed up um, very nervous actually, because it had been my first time back to a church um, event in quite some time. I instantly felt reassured in the first five minutes because all the women were so welcoming and just wanted to know who I was and my story. After a couple weeks of Bible study, actually at the first Bible study, I knew that God had brought me here for a reason. 
each time I came to the Bible study, I felt more connected to the amazing women. We have such an amazing connection. After a couple weeks, I started going to church on Sundays um, with my family. I instantly fell in love with Jonathan and Lindsay. They're they're amazing. Uh, my daughter, Sage and Sienna, absolutely love going to church as well, along with my husband. We both got to experience Jesus in another way. I see through a different lens. And this re-sparked my love for Jesus, and I was able to, to follow Jesus. The Holy Spirit now uh, lives within me. So I got baptized at Rolling Hill Church. It was a very, very special moment, life-changing, and something I will never forget. You know, going from having little faith to living in faith <laughs> has been a huge transformation. I have an abundance of like love and acceptance and grace for others and myself, which is really important. That's something I lacked before. I, I lacked purpose. Now I know my purpose is to follow Jesus and to you know, be a disciple of Jesus and help others follow Jesus. So I feel like the best way to do that is serve through my church. I've never found a church like Rolling Hills. Everyone is humbling and beautiful and kind and accepting and it's just something I haven't felt in a long time or if ever. Yeah, so what I would tell someone that, you know, was in my shoes before have had that rock bottom moment is there is hope. Once you put your faith into Jesus, things will start changing. He was able to touch my heart through the Holy Spirit and move, you know, the obstacles and mountains that were in my way. We will not forget where we've been and what we have seen. The remarkable walks into awakening, the quiet paths into hope, the stories of sorrow, the stories of celebration. We have come through the valleys. We've seen the miracles in the mud. We have scaled the heights and we've been low to the earth. And now we are here again, ready to journey the hills. The hills of those who are doubting, the hills of those who are hurting, the hills of those who have given up on tomorrow, the hills of those who are lonely. The hills of those in California, in Colombia, in Calcutta, in the Congo. Those who live on our block, on our street. Those who we may never meet. We are the body of Christ on the earth. Our King has given us both the faith and the feet to go, to climb, to reach those whom He loves, those for whom He willingly died. This is our legacy. This is our lifetime. This is the glory of Jesus in us and through us, carrying the gospel to all people. We will go together for every man, for every woman, for every child. We will go over every hill for every.
to the glory of Jesus, we will go over every hill for every heart. In my mind, in my heart, there is nothing that captures who we're called to be as a church. Like the stories of individuals who have encountered the grace of God and that changes everything. And that's the beginning of transformation. It's the beginning of changing everything for them. And friends, God is inviting you. He's inviting us as a church into deeper waters. He's inviting us as a church into things that will require sacrifice and surrender for us to the will of God. But ultimately, he's inviting us to be a part of writing the story that he's been writing and continues to write from the very beginning. And so as we look to the next 25 years as a church, I mean, I see thousands of people finding the life-giving hope of Jesus Christ through the gospel. As we look forward, I see tens of thousands of people being impacted through the radical acts of compassion in this church. We see marriages being healed, families being restored, addictions being broken, Jesus Christ being magnified in every area of our life. And friends, this is just the beginning. It's just the beginning, I believe, of what God wants to do in and through our church. Amen? I could not be more excited about the days ahead, but friends, I don't want to leave this moment. We're about to take communion together. I don't want to leave this moment without inviting you into the story. And maybe you're here today and you've never taken a step of faith to put your faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never heard that God is for you, that he's for you so much that he would send his son to die for you on a cross that he's not against you. He's not up in heaven condemning you. He's for you and he's pursuing you. And he wants your life to become a reflection of his pursuit of the whole world. He's after your heart. And I love that idea of as a church, man, we step into pe people's stories, into each other's stories, say, hey, we know it's all messy. <laughs> we know we're all a mess, but we're stepping into these stories. We're willing to climb any hill anything, any hardship to reach the next heart for every heart as Hills Church. It's who we're called to be. It's what we're about. And so, friends, if that's you today, God is inviting you. It's no accident you're here. Maybe you were invited by a friend, but it's no accident you're here. There's a new beginning available to you. There's a new start available to you. There is healing, there is wholeness, there is purpose, there is identity in Christ. And we want you to join us to be a part of what we're about and what we're gonna be doing in the days ahead. And so I wanna invite you to pray with me. And with all eyes closed and heads bowed in the room, if there's anybody in here that wants to take a step of faith, I just wanna encourage you to raise your hand. Maybe you've never put your faith in Christ before. Maybe you've never taken that step of faith. I just want you to boldly raise your hand and say, I'm, I'm in today. I, I want to go that direction. I believe God is for me. Yeah, thank you. I want to lead you guys in a prayer and it's got to be from your heart. There's nothing 
We got somebody celebrating in the room today. Come on. Not just the angels in heaven. But this has to be from your heart to your father who's been with you through every storm, who's faced every wave, who's never left your side. So in your heart, I just want you to begin by saying to him, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for dying for me on a cross. I believe your death paid for all my sins. Say to him in your heart, I, I believe you rose from the dead to lead me into new life. And ask him right now in this moment to fill you with the Holy Spirit. That the life of Christ would flood into your heart, into your life. That the healing would begin. The new day would begin. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Together we're going to take communion now. And this is the symbol of what Christ did for us on the cross. And I want to encourage you before we take communion, if you raised your hand, if you prayed with me, there are connect cards on the seat backs in front of you. We would love for you to fill that out and nothing weird, nothing crazy. We just want to give you a Bible and we want to encourage you on your journey and be a resource for you in any way that you need. We would love to connect with you in this journey of faith. And But right now we're going to remember why we're here and what we're about. And that is the fact that our Savior... God came to earth, lived a perfect life, died the perfect death that we deserved on the cross and rose again to new life. And therefore, this, these communion elements represent what he's done for us. So let's take a few minutes. Let's reflect on who Jesus is. And then we're going to stand. We're going to sing one last song together. And then we're going to have some fun. Come on, somebody. And we're going to celebrate. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for this church, God. I thank you for what you've done for the last 25 years and what you're going to do in the days ahead. And Lord, I believe the best is yet to come for the people in this room and for the future of this church. And so Jesus, build your church and thank you for what you did for us on the cross. Lord, we love you. We ask all this in your name. And everyone said, amen. Let's take communion together. Thank you for listening to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, and if you haven't already, give us a rating so we know how this has impacted your journey with God. To learn more about us, visit our website at hills.church. We'll see you next time.